If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction. And we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience. And at the end of it all, we let you decide if we are right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. My name is Mark Fraser. You're listening to the Unsung Podcast. On this week's episode, I am joined by two men who really love Bjork and one who just about didn't see her. Uh, yeah, to my right is uh, Mr. Chris Cusack, and he is uh, George Clinton's drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nice. You wish that would make your life a lot easier. This I week. do. Yeah, carry on. Well, across the diagonal from me is David, who's quite conservatively dressed this week in a, a parka and some dark pastels. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Have you moved to the right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, knuckle duster as well. <laughs> You're looking awfully tan, actually. Uh, thanks. Uh, it's actually gout. <laughs> <laughs> Cider tan. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm well. Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, no, I'm feeling. I mean, the weather's gone to shit. Uh, but we had six weeks of glorious sunshine in Glasgow, it's which is very, it was six weeks nonstop. I checked, and it was actually six weeks. I must have heat stroke. And uh, it made me felt glorious and nostalgic. <laughs> it time's gone. It made me felt. <laughs> so I just went inside and made small crafts. <laughs> I was felting a lot. Um, but yeah, it was the perfect weather for the album we're going to talk it about was an today. actual an actual summer it which was a real does summer. not happen much yeah. up here and thanks to global warming it's going to happen now until we die yep <laughs> great but yeah the album we're going to talk about today is you Mark. chose it i chose it yeah it's best coast <laughs> crazy for you did there. you choose it yeah well i wasn't you, you told sure. me to choose it so <laughs> <laughs> i can't do It 
it's between this and Warpaint, so. Which for me, for some reason, those two, well, not for some reason, I listened to the, both of those records, uh, this and the first Warpaint record, because uh, it came out around about the same time. And I just moved to Glasgow, I think it was uh, 2010. Yeah, it must have been 2010. And I'd kind of moved, I'd given up my graduate job. What was that? In job? Inverness. I worked for a charity who looked after other charities oh. in Inverness after I'd graduated. Uh, and I spent a year and a half there. My boss left. I ended up being the boss. But there was nobody to be the boss of. <laughs> <laughs> it was just me in a little tiny office. So uh, that reminds me of the end of Conan the Barbarian, uh-huh. where he's sitting on the throne looking he's forlorn oh, on his own. And it's like, I won all this. Heavy as the crown. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was officially... Um, Chief executive for a month, and then I decided good I was unbelievably bored of Inverness, <laughs> so moved down to Glasgow to be closer to my other half, Ali McRae. <laughs> uh, put on gigs because I was I was that was when we just started putting on shows and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, moved into this ridiculous flat where five of us lived. By the way, can I? I didn't want to be the one to have to tell you this, but I think he's seen someone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, we appeared, Ali and I, we were invited onto Radio Scotland once to talk about the concept of bromances. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, That's fair, like the most weaver thing. They, they know, did the great. research, yeah. <laughs> I know, they got it bang on. But I remember uh, whoever, I think it was uh, Fred Macaulay asked, uh, and what do your respective other halves say to, to your bromance? And I said that um, girlfriends come and go, but friendships stay the same and uh yeah our girlfriends were very angry with us <laughs> <laughs> so but i no longer go out with her and oh ali still goes out with her so in fact they're engaged that's nice anyway i've got distracted <laughs> uh yeah i was living in this uh big huge like smelly like sort of studenty flat in uh, glasgow right opposite your flat chris yeah the back garden basically it's not so smelly though. and i sort of moved to glasgow without a job was putting on gigs occasionally and listen to Best Coast and Warpaint and also M83 a lot. And How I, does that one go? The Saturday's Equal Youth one. <laughs> the one tune they have. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a really good record as well. Uh, the they one, they one. got a bit crap after that, but um, yeah. I don't know. It was just sort of an idyllic time of fucking about, not having much money, eating crap, having a fun time, being a slacker. And it's sort of the one time in my life I was a slacker for a year, and uh, the rules. I just lo- I loved it, and um, and this this record was a nice soundtrack to that, and it's kind of yeah going back and listening to it just reminded me of uh, a, a free spirited time. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd never I'd never heard this coast. Uh, yeah, I remember <coughs> that was one thing that shook it shook out when we were um, discussing records that you had never heard best coast before. Now you have. Had you? Yes, I heard Best Coast because. Well, I can. Well, I can tell you why I heard Best Coast, but it's also going to ruin my Foo Fighters Nexus if I tell you. <laughs> right, you well, we could do Foo Fighters Nexus right now. Right now. So I heard Best Coast because. Well, hang on, hang on. Cue the music. The music should go in right here. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It's going to be that. I'll be on it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great. We've got a great jingle. Thanks for coming up with that, Chris. You're welcome. Uh, but we'll, we'll have a, a closing jingle as well. We'll definitely always have one of them. So I heard Beth goes. Beth Coast. I see that's, that's that's easy to make that mistake. I heard Beth Coast because Bethany is on a song called Go Away. She does she does guest vocals on a Wheater song called Go Away, uh, and she's very good on it. And that's when I first heard of Beth Coast, and then subsequently listened to this record, and thought it was very good. How this relates to the nexus of Dave Grohl, who his fans apparently started our fans start is now are now starting to think that he's losing his voice, which is interesting. Um, that would be ideal. Yeah, <laughs> but recently Weezer Weezer have toured quite a lot with Foo Fighters over the years. Um, but recently they did a tour of of, of Australia and New Zealand, and Revels joined the band on stage to do a cover of Detroit Rock City by Weezer. By not by Weezer, by Kiss. <laughs> Might as well be Weezer though. Whoa, by Kiss? You mean that classic rock band? Yeah, the one with the one good great album. Loads of great great songs. So yeah, basically. Um, that's that's how they they are related. That's how the the nexus okay. conflates. It's two jumps. So it's from. Have Beth. they ever done a cover of Motley Crue? Just out of curiosity. Best Coast or Weezer? I don't know. Probably not. Probably, Probably not. not. Let's not get the songs. But I do know that uh, Rivers was a big fan of Motley Crue as well. So. Mm. Big fan I of Slayer. Felt as that well. they were untouchable. Yeah. <laughs> you can't improve on perfect. But anyway, two jumps. Beth is on a Weezer record, and Weezer toured with Foo Fighters, and Rivers played. A kiss cover with the fails oh, as early as last year. Yeah, as early as twenty seventeen. So mm-hmm. here we go. Mm. The Nexus is complete once again. Okay, outro music goes here. Right there. Thanks. That was good. Oh, yeah. I, so that's how I heard Best Coast. All right, cool. Well, new to me. So what did you think of it, Chris? I think, I mean, it's easily the worst album I've done for this show. <laughs> <laughs> we did a Foo Fighters record. <clears throat> it, it genuinely like makes that record look amazing. You didn't like it at all? I I, I didn't just like it. I, I hate the band. <laughs> I hate everything about the band. I think they're dreadful. As people, <laughs> as humans, as musicians, I think, as I don't think they're dreadful as people. I think they leave something to be desired. But I think the music's. I mean, it's 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 hard to get wound up about the music, to be honest, because it's so banal. No, but I think that's kind of exactly why I like it. It's it is weird for me. It's it doesn't sound like anything I normally listen to because I normally listen to good music, intense <laughs> music. Well, in music. fact, last last just last week, I basically did a. A PowerPoint presentation on the history of black metal to my girlfriend, <laughs> uh, just so that she could be more involved in my conversations. I think we found uh, bonus content for next <laughs> month. But uh, I've been reading about black metal this month as well. Yeah, I've got some scary facts for you guys. I just, I just want you guys to have a PowerPoint presentation, then we can record it and put it on YouTube. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> well, maybe I think we should do a black metal mixtape at some point in no, the future. A foregone conclusion. And uh, can I do? We can improv? do some. We can get our YouTube channel open with the PowerPoint presentation. You've got to do it in full. <laughs> <laughs> the full face full regalia, yeah, 4k U- UHD once we get all these donations yeah I can do that but like there's just something about this record I, it's like got this sort of scuzzy 60s pop vibe it's got like a beachy boys vibe it's like takes a lot of like old rock and roll stuff it's just got very simple pop rock and roll songs 
I think the melodies are good. And it's like a record, I don't know the fucking story behind this record, because there is no story behind this record, it's just good songs, it's like just fuzzy nostalgia. I don't know, you know, I don't know anything about the musicians, I didn't bother to read up on it, because to I me, it's, the whole point of this record is, it's just a nice throwaway record, but then when I listened back to it, I was like, oh no, it's really fucking nostalgic for me, and I'm really enjoying listening to it, I can put it on, listen to it the whole way through, and think it's great. Mark, do you know anything about this band? Uh, I know, I know a bit about Bethany and how she was almost picked up by a major label when she was younger after posting videos and stuff or or, or music and stuff on uh, MySpace. And she Bethany Sharaya yeah, on MySpace. And yeah. She basically like shunned that. And my greatest apologies that go out to my greatest inspiration. Which kind of, which, which I think to me it kind of explains a bit of why I find this record a bit jarring. Like I enjoy this record, and we've spoken, we've spoken before about how there's nothing wrong with a good thing, a simple thing done really well, right? And I think this is an example of that. However, this record also feels really engineered to me, you know. And sometimes that can, that feels a bit kind of like the records pulling into completely different directions. It, it is very, it is very carefree. And it's very, it's very Beach Boys. It's also very Weezer in places as well. Um, I think that's a a massive disservice to the Beach Boys and Weezer. This is um, like a bad thing done badly. It's bad I melody. Just, I don't think it is. It's and also, fucking Weezer only have one good album. Stop so saying Weezer. We've had this conversation before. Yeah, people call me Weaver, so they can <laughs> fuck off. You're, it's, you're it's, wrong about Weezer. So like Weezer, <laughs> right up until at least Maladwa is a super band. Great melodies. They go and in they the still right. Do them. They go in the right directions. They know a hook. This band have almost none. Like, the no, cor- no, you're wrong. They have one. The chord changes. <laughs> they are, do it all the time. Are humming. <laughs> the vocal cha- like lines that she picks are so uninspired. There's really very little to grab. It is throwaway music. It's background music. It's window dressing, and it's not just window dressing. It's just more than just that. And figuratively, it's it is literally commercially tied in with shops. It's just so completely hollow. There might be something to that because I actually stopped writing notes after three songs because I felt as though I was saying the same things about every song. Because none of the songs have anything to them and they go nowhere. But I still enjoyed it a lot. But maybe it's the same carefree thing. I I, I think it's one of those records you either get into the vibe or you don't, and you you're far too fucking cynical to. That's get not into true this. though, because I love Weezer, <laughs> I love that kind of music. I love Nada Surf. I think I I would quite happily sit and listen to Everclear. Those bands have melodies and hooks that go in good directions. This this band have nothing, and not only that, but they don't know what they wanted to be. They they were this slightly scuzzy, as you said band on this album crazy for you which is their first record uh, but then straight off the back of that they go and go all high production and it's it's garbage and it, it doesn't even have the personality of the early album it tries to be high production and go for like a big breakthrough record but there's no hooks in it there's no tunes in it it kind of bombs like uh critically it doesn't perform as well commercially they then drifted back into being a little bit scuzzy but then they drifted away from that again for the california nights album which is dross it's just they're a band that has 
followed the advice of labels and um, okay we're getting ahead of it but i just this one i mean you guys have put me on to like hip-hop and stuff that i had no idea i was gonna like this was the opposite when i saw the descriptions i was like this is a guitar band it's kind of scuzzy and it ticks all the boxes you know the references the weezer references and stuff i'm like good stuff i think it's terrible like terrible like insultingly bad and uh, yeah i mean in terms of the background of the band like having like i was like i need to know a bit about this because i don't really know what's going on here I don't understand what it is about this band that makes them really appealing. Can I just say before you go into that, does this, it does seem to me that Bethany's kind of career path is kind of followed quite similar to Paramore's, only she's never really got as big as, they've never really got as big as Paramore got, if that makes sense. They toured with Paramore. Yeah, but like it was one of those things where like, she, like Bethany obviously completely neglected to go with the major label thing, whereas Daily did, you know, but then they went and they were put on fuel by Ramen to make them look Indian cool, but they were she was always signed to a major label yeah, since so she was like fifteen. She, I mean, she she did go originally in a musical direction that was pretty far out there. She had a band called Poker Haunted with a, a woman called Amanda Brown. And the the guy. Uh, Bruno, uh, Bob Bruno, the other Drummer. guy in Beth Coast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, now you've got me saying it's it. going to keep happening. Um, I'm just going to call them Worst Coast because <laughs> it's a bit easier to remember. Um, the, other, the other band and uh, the other person in the band produced that uh, Poker Haunted stuff, and it was kind of experimental drone music, like really arty and really out there. And at the time, they like opened for Sonic Youth, and it was quite edgy. And for a lot, like she was doing something that was pretty, you know, pushing the envelope in terms of was not commercially driven. And then her and Bruno seemed to kind of like hit it off creatively and then they decided they were going to do this thing that was a lot more commercial. She had a bunch of music already written as well as sharing like influences like people like Blink-182 apparently. They cite them quite a bit. Ah, there's a, one of the songs on the record starts the exact same drum intro as a Blink-182 song. Yeah, so well they, they talk about them, they talk about the Beatles, they talk about people like Johnny Mitchell and Joan Baez. And, but then later on in their albums they start talking about like Gwen Stefani and Sugar Ray and uh, the go-go's. And the stuff that's a lot slicker, a lot more glossy, kind of LA type vibe. And they're all, they're infatuated with LA, like everything on every album, every cover, whether it's a picture of the Californian state flag or just a picture of a beach or just, you know, all the track titles, like everything is about how great it is to be in California, to be in LA, to be in the West Coast of America. I think she, she moved to New York City at one time and there, there was a quote uh, online saying that she'd found it stressful, congested and cold and went back to California. I mean, she's like really banging this drum in a big way. Oh, they're called Best Coast. Yeah, of course. West Coast is Best Coast, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much like in Scotland. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, no offence to Dundee. Chip shops might be better in the east, though. That's true. Aye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll give you fifes. 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 Chippies are better. All the fifes. Got a few. Multiple fifes, if you will. Ten Sorry, I just had an idea for a TV show called Fife Swap. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs>
Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, I just saw a Range Rover for four hundred and seventy-five pounds on Gumtree. It's got a tow bar. Uh, it doesn't have doesn't have an MOT. It's old, and uh, I don't need a car. But if you could uh, give us some money, just donate to PayPal, then I could uh, maybe satisfactorily get a second car, get a Range Rover. <laughs> you know, radio stations used to put their like it was always cars like Range Rovers that they had their like Central FM in the back. Well, window. that's what we need a company car. We need yeah, a company yeah. advertising car uh, that we can drive around Glasgow saying. Listen to one song podcast. <laughs> we could maybe get a, uh, a speaker on the front, yeah. on the top, and like uh, loud speak our yeah. thoughts. So really, our listenership is holding us back, you know? Yeah. So, but no, seriously, uh, we have no money, and we, uh, I, we need memory cards, we need wires, we need everything. We need it all. We need it all. So if you could donate any spare cash, um, then it would be much appreciated. Head up our website. Which is on some point.net forward slash donate. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You did. <laughs> So they they were like a blog band, like that's that's the common reference is that they were a band that exploded and suddenly they were all over blogs. You know when hype machine and aggregators like that were like a big thing, and a very much the epitome of that late two thousands, early twenty tens, like Brooklyn Vegan style. You know, yeah, absolutely. Pitchfork, pitchfork aping, making stuff cool. Bands, we we know? know a number of bands that have been through that same yeah. process as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. like courting that side of things now is marketing like i think there is an illusion that still perpetuates now that that is somehow a more organic process and i don't think that's true i think yeah the ag like the the aggregators reflect big trends but all of these sites like like pitchfork and brooklyn vegan and uh line of best fit that they're all they're all still commercial interests involved in that whether it's down to advertising or whether it's down to you know, you need to run this or we won't give you access to this and we won't give you access to that. These these things are still engineered, especially mm-hmm. the bigger sites, the, the tastemakers. Just because they're not printed on paper doesn't mean that there's not an incredibly astute reciprocal relationship between the blogs and the labels and the people that want to get their stuff under people's noses, especially if they want to get it under people's noses in the guise of looking organic. And this is a band that was... Yeah, I mean, maybe the initial stir was like. So, are you saying that Pitchfork's eight point four best new music review of this in twenty ten was uh, fabricated, was built by the label? Uh, I'm not. Do you think that they're not being earnest in their review? Uh, I'm not saying that. I do think that happens, though. I I'm not saying that about this one. Yeah, absolutely. Blogs are as prone to that as anybody, as any magazines ever were. They're still selling advertising space. They're still dependent on access. Uh, to artists yeah, nobody's and disputing and that and, and especially but this album got good reviews when it came out like from reviews not from features yeah but it was yeah but you don't think that that reviews are influenced by the, either the person that's given it or the instructions that are given to the person that's given it yeah but do you not well eight years ago do you think a lot of blogs were heavily influenced by indie labels yes 
Okay. I think they were. I think they relied on exclusives. I think they were trying to get on the radar. You know, there's a dog-eat-dog world in blogs as well about who's getting what exclusive, who gets the advanced stream of an artist's thing, who gets to interview so-and-so. And that's reciprocal. If you give a terrible review to someone, uh, there's a very good chance that their their agent will say, well, okay, we're well, not getting them again, or you're not getting this again. And the labels use that as leverage, absolutely. And I don't, that's not conspiratorial thinking, that's just business. Same way it was with magazines. It was the exact same with magazines. The only difference is there's a lack of paper. Like, it's still based on revenue. They still have to generate income for their staff via things like advertising. I ran a music blog around about this time, music website about this time, I ran one for seven years, and there was certainly never any, any of that happening. We never get asked to review things and be favourable to them, and we'd sometimes rip bands apart and we'd still get, you know, PR companies and agents come back to us asking if we've got to review the next record. But I think we were never part of one of those massive multimedia advertising conglomerates that like, a lot of the bigger blogs are part of. Um, that's, that's certainly what happened to Absolute Punk anyway and they were kind of well, you know speaking from experience I've like, had the opposite mm-hmm. I've, I've submitted a negative review and then there's been a need to get an exclusive interview on the artist in the following edition and I've been that review's been spiked in favour of someone else who'd written a better one mm-hmm. a more positive one so and, and I don't think that, that that's maybe anecdotal but I don't doubt for a minute that probably does happen at some level, but it certainly never happened in my experience anyway. Anyway, well, I'm not. I'm not saying that for this album that was the case, but the fact that they were a blog, a blogged hyped band, like how does that consensus form? How does this band get onto all these things at once? How does this band get under their nose? And I think really, really interesting with Best Coast, how does this band get its album exclusively advanced streamed at Urban Outfitters? That's where this album came out, Urban Outfitters. The, the shopping chain, the clothes chain, the lifestyle because chain. The correct tastemakers picked it up, Chris. <laughs> Don't you understand? <laughs> like, oh, uh, see, you're, I understand this, and I enjoy your cynical conspiracy theories, and many of them are not conspiracy theories because, yeah, I'm sure that some fucking corporate dicks were sucked, but it doesn't get away from the fact that I just really like this record. Yeah, and right. I didn't. I when it came out. I didn't give a fuck about blogs. I'd never read reviews. I don't know how I came across it. Because I just heard of blogs. it. Yeah, I know, but I heard it and I liked it. Yeah, but that's that's exactly the, the, the underlying so, point. It's yeah, got, so that's fine. It's where you're manufacturing a consensus. This is the whole no, thing. No, but I didn't. They didn't manufacture my review. I'm but sure you, I'd have heard it have and encou- not. You wouldn't have encountered it if it wasn't for that manufacturing yeah, but that's how, consensus. That's how the music industry works. Is that exactly people so you, like things, so they put it forward to no, other people, and then you're half right. That's how the music no, industry. I'm not works. saying. That is how the music industry <laughs> works. Yeah, putting things under your nose and then convincing you that you chose them. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't mean to say they're not good though. It doesn't mean they're not good, but it doesn't mean to <laughs> no, say they're not good. That's the point here. <laughs> I know. We, I, I fully. I'm trying to that say that I have on... a discerning taste, and many things that I hear, I think are fucking shit. But I really like this record. This is not Ed Sheeran. It's not been force fed into my brain in the same way. I mean, we had the same conversation midweek about Haim. And Haim are a band that are much more cleverly marketed, but they're equally as marketed and fabricated as Ed Sheeran. And that that's the thing. It's like, yeah, these are these are very sophisticated, nuanced techniques that these agencies use. They're not idiots. They're very expensive uh, and very capable advertising agencies. Okay. So what? That's the key question. So what? Exactly. So someone likes it, Dave likes it, Dave's here Dave hears it and likes it. That's great. I hear it and like it. I think it's terrible. That's fine. Uh, that's that's the point at which that, that comes in. What I would say is the best coast is that they immediately became a blog band, a kind of hype band. They were in like a clothing shop. 
getting exclusives. She became like a bit of an it girl because she was dating a guy from another band called Waves. We spoke about how that always seems to be an issue with female artists. But the the guy from that band, they became like a kind of semi-celebrity indie super couple. Um, then she started designing clothes for Urban Outfitters. It's just like it's a really like odd take on music until like, I mean, there's a quote that she gave to, I think it was Ellie Weekly, where she said, look, we're a brand, not a band. And she says, and I'm a businesswoman. And that's kind of my point with this band. Like, they, they are acknowledging, I mean, they've got all kinds of shit for the Urban Outfitters thing, especially because Urban Outfitters were funding a whole bunch of conservative lobby groups in the States to try and get conservative politicians elected. And people were like, is that where Best Coast wants their money going? I mean, that, that, that quote, we're a brand, not a band, to me, clearly not to everybody else, that's pretty horrific. I hate that. Like, I hate that. I hate that masquerading uh, as something sincere and grassroots in the way that this did. Um, especially seeing as I don't see how it's based on merit. I don't see the quality in the music at all. We had, the, we had the same conversation, the exact same conversation almost, about Cat Power as well. Yeah. Almost exactly. Cat Power's career cannot be compared to these guys. Basically, it's essentially the same argument, though. It, no, it's not the same thing. Yes. <laughs> it's actually not the same thing. Yes. She, she had two completely obscure albums, two less obscure albums, the album that we did before she even got close to doing something that was classified as mainstream. These guys were doing Urban Outfitters in their first album before it was even out. That, how is that the same thing? Because essentially the same mechanism <laughs> of which these two sort of forces get that, that level of exposure, they're exactly the same. Just one person has hung around for longer than the other. They still made the same decision at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just enjoying his face. I'm playing devil's advocate on all of this. I feel like this, I'm fucking way. tripping here. Like, <laughs> no, I'm playing devil's advocate Cap, on all Cap of this. Cap was My, playing music for six or seven I years before. I know. So that's why I'm, I'm. The point I'm trying to make is it's that not the same it, thing. It's interesting how like they both get to the same conclusion, right? But it's just a, it's a length of time thing. <laughs> it's like seeing Radiohead's a length of time thing. Oh, they ultimately made the same decision, so it's the same as Best Coast. Oh, it only took them twenty five years. Oh, you're just you're just you know, you know that's semantics, Chris. Only twenty five years versus like getting into Urban Outfitters before their first record. It's not the same thing. She was hanging about for a while though, as well. Was she not? Bethany. Who? Bethany was hanging about for a while as well. Hanging about where? Oh, you, you just spoke about it. She was playing in a drone band. I know. Yeah, exactly. She exactly. did her thing that was uncommercial. <laughs> Honestly, I, I feel like I'm being trolled. Is that even recording? <laughs> uh, anyway, I mean, the fact of the matter is, right? It, it's the question, as as we've come, as we said, is so what? I mean, to be fair, like, it, I mean, I'm di- I'm digging them for designing stuff for Urban Outfitters. Kim Gordon designed stuff for outfit, mm. uh, Urban Outfitters. Fuck knows why people do stupid shit like that. That's but exactly the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't matter, really, ultimately. What the fuck? That's not the point you're trying to make, and yes, it does matter. No, but I don't the think fact it does, because if the music is still good, I don't think it really matters. But we like it anyway. I mean, you don't, but... Exactly. When it when it comes down to it, two of us really like the record. That's fine, and I, I, that's not I, the conversation I, we're just having. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> that's what the podcast is about. <laughs> fuck. It's about is this a good album or not? No. It is a good album. It's not a good it album. It is a good album. I don't care if they're wankers. <laughs> this, I don't care if they sell this the soul. Is a I don't care don't... if they didn't have a soul in the first place. To me, because when I heard this record, it didn't have any backstory to me. It was just fucking perfect summertime listening, and I really enjoyed it. And then I listened to it again, and I really enjoyed it. So to me, it's a great album. <laughs> I mean, the same call, the same couple. By the way, us, us saying this is a good album, this is not a good album, is it like the reductio ad absurdum of this entire concept yeah, exactly. of a podcast. <laughs> it's good. No, it's yeah. not good. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's probably the same. It was probably largely the same mode as to how I got exposed to it as well. Like, Rivers probably her Beth Coast, 
best coast, not best coast, you know, through similar means. And if you but there's some really fucking record, catchy you know? uh, bits on this. There's some, you know, so really too. nice bits of song. Yeah. Like, I have fucking boyfriends stuck in my head mm. a lot, and I have that stuck in my head, like, not just since mm. we've been talking about this, like, over, you know, over the last seven or eight years, I sing that in my head. There's some just really nice melodies in here that aren't completely made up in a PR factory. They are songs that have been written and recorded, and therefore people have gone, "Oh yeah, that's good," and that is, you know, c- come to me that way. Well, I think what this comes down to here is that you guys are able to like enjoy this music, not 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 even despite context, I didn't know any of that stuff, but oblivious way. of context. Yeah. And I, I find it really difficult to enjoy music oblivious of context. But right? when I, it's really interesting when I f- like when I get a record that is a really nice. A slacker album that is, you know, the lyrics are like naive and don't give a fuck. I don't really want to go and read about the economic politics of the person that wrote that or whatever. I'm just like, this is a nice throwaway record. And that's because the whole enjo- point of this record. That's because like, you enjoyed it. By contrast, when I hear a completely beige, unremarkable album that has been very, very carefully marketed and strategically released, I want to be like. How is this everywhere and why is this everywhere? And when you start looking into why it's everywhere, it's not just because it's so fucking overwhelmingly good. It's because they have a very, very astute marketing team and they're doing things with Nike or Converse via Nike. They're doing things with Urban Outfitters. It's like, what the fuck is this? Is this a fucking band? And she admits herself, this is not a band, it's a brand. But if you're working for a brand like that or an advertising agency, you don't get involved with the first shit band that comes along. You wait for a band that you think are good and then it just so happens no, that they'll, if, if they'll work with you. If you're working for a, ba- a brand, say like This is not a shit ASOS, record like, that has just like been ASOS, sold to you. ASOS, ASOS, whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that They employ people to go around speak that dealing with record label people for the tips on the hot new artists coming up and then they approach those artists before they're signed and try to get association deals with them, interviews, photo shoots with those artists posing for them so that if the artist does break through, they then already have affiliation with them. I know that from experience. That's how they do it. But that's such a cynical, soulless fucking way for music to break through. And it's a very modern phenomenon. And this band are a very modern phenomenon. Is it really that modern if we think about, you know, some of the hair bands? That level... Yeah, no, you're right. And this band have been compared to hair bands. Mm -hmm. I'll actually come to that in a second. But... um, it's a very modern phenomenon in the way that it's able to be passed off as being organic. Mm-hmm. That's the part of it that's modern. Because in the past, there was like a real brazen thing, like Pat Benatar and Cindy Loper and stuff. They they were they were like yeah, they were marketed and everybody knew mm-hmm. they were big fucking products. And there was a there was a kind of openness to that that makes them still easier to relate to, for me for me, uh, than somebody who has so surreptitiously tried to like feign. Uh, you know, we, we, we win this on merit, we crawled our way up thing. And that's, try to hide it, basically. that's what gets me about it. It's the insincerity mm. of it. That's why I have a beef with Haim as well, mm. because that's that's not a band by normal conventional standards. It doesn't. Mm. It's not an objective evaluation of the music, which I think is pretty average anyway. Haim are just wallpaper to me. Yeah, but <laughs> that's the thing. It's like the illusion. It's, it's, it's a different side of the coin but it's the same coin it's it's it is a it's a far more it's a different demographic as far as the label's concerned but it's the same approach it's how do we convince these people that this is what they like by giving them a limited array of options and then allowing them to pick from that and then 
they can convince themselves that they are the ones that wanted that. The manufacturing of consent. Well, I feel so honoured that I was chosen to be able to pick from this. And <laughs> Look, man, there's always going to be people that do genuinely like it. And I, I fully believe from your fucking fervent defence, you genuinely like it. But my point is that the majority of people that know about this band, or maybe not the majority, maybe a minority, but a lot of people that know about this band don't know about them because they're good. They know about them because the marketing department pulled a fucking mask. There's a big stroke. difference between knowing about a band and then liking them. And I think... Yes, a lot of people may know about this band because of the cynical tactics of PR. I think a lot of people that like this band like it because it's a good record. You'd hope so, right? That's why. You'd hope so. A lot of people that don't like this band really don't like them um, for the content, the lyrics and what they represent as well. Marnie Stern was really critical of them, comparing them to hair metal bands and their misogyny because of Beth Cosentino's lyrics being so pathetic. Some of like Boyfriend was a perfect example. I'd love him till the very end, but instead he's just a friend. I wish he was my boyfriend. And there was one that Marnie Stern had picked out in particular, which was just the, the level of like helpless little woman that she conveyed in her lyrics and she responded by saying oh the lyrics don't really mean anything they're about getting high and they're about my cat her cat by the way has 10,000 followers on Twitter it's called Snacks but the, the, the lyrics are fucking so stupid um, and it was a review a guy called Elliot Sharp he writes for Noisy but he was writing for Philadelphia Chronicle or something at the time and he said that her lyrics make Sarah Palin seem like a fucking Rhodes Scholar and like all the way through her words like she the, in at least four songs she uses either alone and phone so it's sitting all alone at home waiting by the phone I'm always waiting by the phone I can't wait for you to get home it's just on and on man or f oh my god it's so fucking dumb and whether it's me being overly cynical about the background to the band I cannot understand the appeal of this band on any level and I mean she kind of like Beth came out and sort of was like look the Beach Boys and so on, they never had fancy lyrics, they never talked about political things, they never talked about meaningful things, you know, wh why do we have to? But she then seemed to kind of like backtrack on that a little bit and in 2017, especially around about the Me Too thing, started to get really more outspoken about the, the, the kind of feminist credentials of Best Coast and her herself. And, uh, she was really critical of Chris Brown, deservingly so, saying that he perpetuates rape culture. Um, but then she was really highly critical of online activism, uh, saying it was all uh, <laughs> it was often self-serving and insincere. And for somebody like myself, reading that, someone from Best Coast saying that, is a, it's a bit of an eye roller. She did one of the Lenny's letters to Lena Dunham's thing, where she did, there was a huge part in this uh, letter she wrote for Lena Dunham, wh which was to do with the worst, one of the worst things that had happened to her was at a gig, someone threw a cheeseburger at her and hit her in the head and shouted, you guys suck. And it was a guy that threw it. And in the early part of the letter, she admits that it doesn't really have any relevance that it was a guy that threw it because there was, there was nothing he said seemed particularly misogynistic. But then she then goes on throughout the letter to say, but this is what a young woman has to expect and this is what... And then she reverses that and makes it quite a, a gendered issue. And that, again, attracted criticism because it was like, what the fuck does someone that doesn't like your band at a festival throwing something on stage have to do with uh, your gender? Especially 
if you're admitting that the person didn't say anything even remotely to do with your gender in that case. And it became like, despite saying that she didn't care about the criticisms of them being anti-feminist, as Marnie Stern had said, it seems like it really did, has gotten under her skin. And they've kind of gone out their way since then to to try and emphasise that. They spoke about the, uh, that A&R guy, Heathcliff Berry as well, that the girl from Dirty Projectors had reported yeah. for um, sexual harassment, sexual assault. And so there's just something achingly insincere about this band all the way through. I just, I can't get past it. Uh, I don't think any of the stuff on any of the records does anything to convince me otherwise either. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all ears, man. If you guys can say what the fuck it is about this band that elevates them above completely average surf rock with a fairly sizable budget. I mean, they did the record with John Bryan, the guy that did the Kanye record. Mm. I mean, it's like, it, what the fuck is it? Like, there's no tunes here. I don't get it. There are tunes here. I that's, think there's tunes here That's too. the problem. That's, but <laughs> I think the whole problem, I completely accept all of your criticism there, apart from the fact that there's no tunes, because there are tunes. <laughs> And then also, I just don't have the energy to be as angry as you all the time, Chris. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't assign meaning to absolutely all of my music all the time. But by by their own admission, there's hundreds of bands doing this exact same thing but, in California alone. It's just that it's that frustrate it's that frustrating thing of how we we just why don't we question why the fuck this band? I do question that, but like, I just like this record. <laughs> Jeez, I just think this is a good record. By the way, I don't. Everyone th- keeps calling them a duo. They play with five people live. Yeah, what the fuck is that a duo? It's based on the record as well, so it's definitely not a duo a on the song, record either. A songwriting duo, maybe, but fucking, they're not a duo. I d- I just like this record. I have nothing else to say. I just think it's a good record. I, I think it's a good record. I, I like the hook. It's used in various different ways throughout it. Um, I do. I do be. I gotta be honest. I don't think lyrics are particularly great either. But I climb into the sky, and my eyes they cry. <laughs> I like that. I kiss lyric, can Yeah. Rock Fading back and forth, I fly through my mind. I take the way life known, <laughs> but have I really grown? <laughs> Fuck me, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's just it just fucking does me. I'll give you this: the last tune on the album is really good. <laughs> and it's a bonus track and it sounds like something by like the Shangri-Las or something it's like a really old school 60s thing done modern and it kind of rules but that's uh, it's a bonus track no them. place for hiding baby no place to run you pull the trigger of my love gun yeah absolutely and that's why Marnie Stern compared them to cock rock bands because they're that vapid they're that yeah stupid. but you still listen there's still good uh, cock rock records out there yeah but even kiss, if you don't like what they stand for absolutely kiss have tunes though oh well <laughs> I'm not sure about that they've got a uh, half a Best if off record. If, if that's the best we can do is measure ourselves against the lyrics no, of four, I, whole point, four misogynistic Jews for the 1960s <laughs> in New York just trying to get laid, that's the best we can hope for from Best Coast. That, that, I mean, that's not a very fucking high bar, is it? Um, well, <laughs> I just really like this record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Politics aside, I didn't, I didn't know most of that stuff, and I still enjoy the records. I probably will still enjoy the next thing I listen to it. Um, uh, we, we I can see I can I can totally understand why why somebody wouldn't like it. 
I totally get that. I mean, it is very much. It's also been imitated a lot. Yeah, that's true. No, but... they're they're but they're imitating a dozen other things. Yeah, I know, but because they got that audience. Uh, you yeah. know, the, I mean, then a lot. The, it's uh, they've also inspired a lot of bands. But this I think is a they've... photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, mate. I mean, I, I, honestly, I just it's it's actually really average. It, it isn't that I hate it. What I hate is the weird insincerity and the, the way it seems to represent that really modern phenomenon of hype bands, hype machine, blog bands. There's so much shit just clogging and fighting and just bustling out there and people doing anything they can to get it pushed to the surface and it's so hard to find good music now it's just and the, the fact that that they masquerades as being sincere yeah it does fucking wind me up it really winds me up especially when i come across something as fucking average as this in my opinion but not just my opinion and then you see that it does exceptionally well and, and you're like what the fuck is this is it you know is anybody actually listening to music anymore or are we just like picking it off the rack you know, and mm. given the Urban Outfitters Association, that's 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 totally fitting because they are a lifestyle shop. Urban Outfitters is, what character do you want to be from The Sims? And you go into Urban Outfitters and you pick that character. And Best Coaster is much a part of that outfit as a hat or a fucking bag. They are just lifestyle music. I think for me, I find it really hard to get worked up about that stuff. And I think all three of us have, are no doubt, are obviously very completely, as we've spoken about before the podcast, completely aware of how cynical, deeply cynical the music industry is uh, on all fucking levels, regardless of who you are, how cool you're perceived to be or not, or, you know, what kind of music you make. I think for me, I find it really hard to get worked up about it because it's like I've seen the man behind the curtain and I know he's just going to keep playing the same fucking trick over and over and over again. So I'm happy. I'm sure, ha- but I'm not going to sit here and fucking give it advertising. <laughs> well, well, we are well, actually. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you fucked it. <laughs> you've, you, I suppose you, you think you could think, argue you've now given it more time than you probably should have done. <laughs> do, do you think they'll retweet this? I would be great. Come on, actually. guys! If you only listened to the last five seconds, please. Well, retweet here's, this. Here's, a, here's, a, here's the thing I was thinking. Right, um, we were talking about Bethany and her letter with the, the Me Too thing. Is like there's always there's still, there's this expectation that artists should have should have something to say, you know what I mean? And they should have a voice. And Prince is a really good, I keep bringing up Prince, he was a really good example of this, so people would always, he stopped doing interviews for a long time, but when he did them, people would ask him stuff. And there was a massive thing about Burkas, like, a few years ago, um, and he said that he thinks women should do whatever whatever they want to do, and it's unfortunate if there's some things they can't do, and everyone's outraged about it. And in an excellent interview, he was like, I'm just, like, I don't really care, like, that stuff is not what I'm here to talk about, I'm here to make music. And I think a lot of artists would do well to remember that. Well, what's what's uh, what's Beethoven's uh, politics like? What are Mozart's politics like? Well, we know what like? Wagner's politics <laughs> is like. That is pretty significant. But I think, <laughs> but it's like it's like music can just stand on its own. We don't need to. Can it? it? Yeah, it can. It, but it so does, like, do you so listen? They, hang on. It's, uh, I'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. Disagree I obviously with what she says. By I the obviously way. think that. I mean, clearly, some art is tainted by the politics of the artist. Burzum. I mean, we're going to talk about that. Um, but it's not like she's a fucking, you know, a neo-Nazi or anything. No, it, I, she's just utilized the system to get her music out there. Um, 
and, the and music stands up on its own. Can I just say as well, I'd far from disagree with anything she says about the Me Too stuff, don't get me wrong, I mm-hmm. agree with her. What really doesn't sit well, though, is that it seems so deliberate the way she suddenly went from deliberately saying absolutely nothing and writing off the content of everything that she ever said, saying, oh, it doesn't, it's meaningless, it doesn't mean anything, to then it seems like, oh, there's a bit of money to be made here if I'm a little yeah, bit more politicised. Yeah, I know, I'm not talking about her politicising it. I'm talking about just this album standing away from the cynical viewpoint of how how we all heard it and just this album existing as a nice, nostalgic bit of pop, which you don't agree because you don't think it has the hooks, but Mark and I do think it's got... I think it's as inoffensive and meaningless as possible so that you can impose your own significance on it. And I think your love from it for it comes from the significance it holds in your life from that time. You said that yourself at the start. And therefore, I think the affection you feel for it, it's achieved what it's set out to do. It's as bland well, as... Well, surely all art is the meaning you attach to it. Not at all, man. Because if you listen to Radiohead or The Clash, or they've all got politi- or political or uh, philosophical content to their things. This doesn't have that. And the reason it doesn't have that is because they just wanted you to impose your own in it. And you can then like it based on that. Or dislike it based on that, and for you, you love it because so it's, it's like so it's like an IKEA photo of New York taxis. This is as close as you. guitar music gets to IKEA. Yeah, I've got a really nice. Ikea sofa. I'm not going to disagree with that, but I have to like this Ikea sofa as well. Yeah, so. exactly. So, that's fine. That's so, fine. Just just don't fucking tell me it's a Chesterfield. <laughs> Why would we do that? I can't. He's vegan. I, he doesn't I, want a exactly, Chesterfield. I can't, I can't. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway, we've yeah. probably talked about this record enough. Yeah, I think they've given it the... I think if you like it, you day. like it because it's, it's a good yeah. record. And then if you don't like it... And fair enough. I can yeah. live with two to one. That's f- that's yeah. fine. But there's no fucking way I'm getting behind this. That's we wouldn't expect you to. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> well, actually, you know that I've talked myself around. Yeah, yeah. Chuck it in. Cool. Uh, well, I guess you guys can go and vote on our Facebook page and let us know if you think it should go in or not. That would be awesome. Uh, please give us some ratings and reviews on iTunes. We've not had one of them for a wee while yet, and they would be fucking lovely. Fucking lovely. Five stars. Fucking lovely. The funniest thing you can say wins some sort of prize. We'll buy your favour. Clearly works for some artists. And if you fancy uh, doing a, a a jingle for the Foo Fighters <laughs> Nexus, then uh, please please fire in. Otherwise, we're just going to keep making this show as we go along because that's what we do anyway. <laughs> this was carefully scripted. <laughs> this was Quentin Tarantino level argumentative dialogue. Yeah, there was there was, <laughs> there was blood shed in the room. I can can vouch for that. Right, so. Uh, what we do next week on the next episode we're doing Blue or Blue Album or the Blue Record by Baroness oh not Weezer not Weezer too popular we're not doing Eiffel 65 Blue the best (laughs) of maybe maybe another time that suggestion was dum da da dee da 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 hate you (laughs) but yeah thank you very much for listening and thank you gents for for just being here (laughs) oh (laughs) 